All right, so different kind of live tonight. See how many people come on. I um, am talking a little bit of a different topic today and I'm late for the reason that it took me a little bit too long to find the poo emoji on my computer to put type it into the live on Facebook. So apologies, it's for the best reason. <laughs> um, but, you know, you just got to do what you got to do when when you're looking for a poo emoji, it's worth it. So hopefully people appreciate it there on Facebook. Thank you for all your support for um, Ruben's educational video on our last post. If you haven't seen it, definitely swipe through, have a watch after this live. It's definitely worthwhile. Stick to the end because gosh, he does not disappoint. Um, if you're wondering how poo's made, that is from a four-year-old. Um, so today, uh, I wasn't gonna cover this, but then this week it just seemed to be the theme that kept coming up in conversation uh, and questions. And it really is around that urgency to poo um, while you're training or racing. So disclaimer, I am going to be talking a lot about bodily functions tonight. Um, there's going to be a lot of mentions of poo, but for those who have worked with me, you're probably not surprised. I talk a lot about this because it's just part of that food, poo, waste relationship. So feel comfortable, no stress. Ask questions if you feel comfortable, but if you don't feel comfortable in asking public questions, that's completely okay as well. You can just listen to me talk um, and hopefully you get something out of it. So I guess the big thing is every time we um, train or race, some things can happen to our body that we aren't necessarily all that comfortable and confident with going forward with. So really talking about it uh, and exploring it and not even sure if it's something that happens to other people. Um, how do I ask that question? Now, the one thing I want to go from here today is it is very common. So if this is something that happens to you where you have an urgency to go to the toilet when you start running or cycling or do a high intensity session, this is very normal. And I'm going to tell you why and also how we might be able to help. Um, so one thing is, first of all, the symptoms. So these can appear in different ways and this is why there won't be a one-size-fits-all approach that I end this talk with but I'm going to give you lots of different tools to consider um, by the end of this talk. Now I apologize for my voice I am hoping it holds out I've been unwell last week um, and feel like a failure of a dietitian for getting sick because I hardly ever get sick but I know exactly why I got sick so I can only blame myself for doing way too much and not looking after myself um, so I'm on look after Alicia this week uh, hopefully so I do apologize. Now, um, the symptoms can come in different waves uh, and they can look differently depending on the person. So some of the symptoms that you might, um, oh, thank you so much for your likes and loves everyone too. It makes a massive, massive difference. So hey, Shannon, yes, why does it happen? So first of all, I'm gonna go through the symptoms and then I'm gonna go through the cause because there's a couple of different um, uh, options there and also not options, let's face it, we don't have any option and decision around this, but there's a couple of different pathways. So the symptoms that you might feel, <laughs> Here we go what a glamorous live episode we've got um is that lower abdominal cramping very painful that stitch kind of feel as well can be another thing um farting wind flatulence whatever you want to call it oh hello carol thank you so much for joining what a good time to come on board <laughs> um hi chloe um and also the urge to defecate or urge to poo uh in normal language there could be vomiting there could be reflux and all these types of things. Now, what can cause that in terms of where we see it in activity? 
is mainly around um, a few different things. So it can be um, due to intensity of the session. Uh, it could be due to the actual physical movement. So running can be really high impact and also um, higher risk for that reason. Uh, it can be due to a longer duration. And it can also be due to the circadian timing that you're doing this session. So um, it can actually be higher risk um, of an afternoon for some people than a morning. So um, the place of that is just a really interesting concept to think about. Uh, also being female means that you're higher risk. Um, the time of your menstrual cycle, and I'll cover that a little bit longer, increases your risk as well. Um, you've got uh, nutrition related things that can play a part. And of course, me being a dietitian, I will talk about nutrition later on. Uh, and also your microbiome. So microbiome is quite topical at the moment. So we'll cover that a little bit as well. And also if you've got underlying irritable bowel syndrome. So IBS is probably what you've heard that called. So there's a few different things to think about here. So I'm going to unpack it. Don't worry. And I just felt like I was on one of those Zoom calls where like, let's unpack this and then spin around and cover this again later. No, we're going to do it now. So causes. There are two pathways that I want you to know about. And I'm going to try and translate this as much as possible and make it really easy for you to think about. But it's really important that we consider which pathway these symptoms are coming from or if it's a combination. So first of all is what I'm going to call the blood flow pathway really complicated language guys now the blood flow if we think about how our blood is flowing through our body at all times it's going to be pretty evenly dispersed where it's needed however when you hit a high intensity session where is your body going to want to put that blood where is the priority going to go and it's going to go away from those organs and working organs down here in the stomach and be shunted away into the working muscles where it's needed so i.e the big muscle groups like your legs now, what happens there is that we're going to see some symptoms. So we're going to see less oxygen getting to your gut. We're going to see less nutrient delivered. And we're going to see a damage to the gut lining. So usually the gut lining is, um, sorry for sorry if you're new to my lives, I have both my phone and my laptop. So I kind of skip between. Um, and so I'm not weird with my eyes. I'm just going between screens. So sorry, sorry, everyone. I just thought I'd say that because I do probably look really bizarre. Um, so when we've got damage to the gut lining, what can happen is that usually it keeps everything in this really nice barrier between the gut and the bloodstream. So we don't have to worry about it. Everything's in its right place. In times of stress to the um, gut due to this change in blood flow and less oxygen, what we can find is those cells open and allow things to get into the bloodstream that aren't usually meant to be there. And it can cause an inflammatory state. So inflammation, as we know, in the short term, can't or isn't always a bad thing. It can be a really necessary thing that happens. But if it's chronic and it continues to happen, it can lead to these negative symptoms. So that's your blood flow pathway. So think of that like you know, high intensity, long sessions that are going to get all that blood flow away from the gut can definitely cause it to have some really big symptoms that we'll talk through in a bit. And obviously your gut kind of wants to empty and it can change the timing that that happens. So the vomiting, the diarrhea, all those things. Now, the other pathway, now please ask questions anytime if you um, have them as we go, because I can absolutely answer them as we go. And I can see lots of people on both. Um, so this is the nerve pathway. So the nerve pathway is like this thing um, that will impact how your gut can work. So if you think of the nerve pathway as time of stress, so you think of cortisol, the stress hormone. Um, oh, hey, babe, <laughs> nice to see my hubby watching. Uh, and also the sympathetic drive system. So all these things are um, happening 
uh, when we exercise. And in times of stress, we've got this stress hormone increase of the cortisol. So we really want to consider where that place is and also what it is doing to how our gut can work. So think of exercise like a stress. Of course, in the right amounts, it can be a really good stress, but in high intensity or really long duration, it can be a stress on the body that is just going to impact how your gut can function. So um, your gut emptying time can change, um, the motility of the gut, so how it moves through all the intestine and things can change. And you've also got to think about the other stresses involved in things like cortisol, because all these um, hormones do change how our gut um, works and things like stress anxiety around a session or just in life in general and this is why IBS and stress are really closely connected and symptoms definitely worsen when you're more anxious and stressed um, there is a very very close relationship between the brain and the gut um, so it's very important that we consider that as well but also say heat stress so we um, in times that we're doing exercise in the heat um, or humidity we're actually at increased risk of these symptoms as well so thinking of those as the blood flow, but also um, the nerve pathway. So there can be a combination of those two, or it could be one or the other, but how we then think about our nutrition can change depending. Sorry about all my hand movements today, <laughs> obviously quite into it. Um, so when we're looking at the culprits, this is what everyone's like, stop talking about how it happens and tell me how I can fix it. Um, because it can be something that really impacts our confidence. It impacts our performance. Uh, it stops us really focusing on our goals and it, it gives like it really loses confidence. And there are people who I've worked with who it really does impact their overall performance quite, quite like significantly where we've got someone in that high performance setting um, who's, you know, placing really well, um, say in triathlon, and then in the run, they're experiencing these symptoms and have to stop. Or I've worked with someone who um, would have these symptoms every single triathlon and failed to um, breached his um, goal for uh, a really long time because of them. So it is something I'm really passionate about because I think so many of us just accept it as normal uh, and something that just happens. So if any of us has experienced this, you really want to find a way to fix it uh, and really, really want to make sure that you don't accept it as just something that happens to you. So the culprits can be a few different things. So I'm not necessarily going to say it's definitely this, what I'm going to do is just give you a few things of um, to think about and then depending on how you feel around that, reaching out to me if you wanted to chat through it in person is absolutely okay. Like there's no um, one-size-fits-all approach to this, which can be really frustrating when you're listening to someone talk about it and there's not necessarily one key answer, but hopefully it ticks over some ideas and opportunities for you to try out. There's some really good opportunities in this time um, while we are at home and not necessarily competing to trial a few things. So for example, I've got an athlete at the moment where we are trialing some um, like some ways of eating that we wouldn't necessarily do as aggressively as we are at the moment because we've got the opportunity to do so, um, where she's still very supported in terms of her immune function and her overall energy intake, but we're just being a bit more aggressive around um, finding an answer than we could have been in her other training and um, event environment. So that's a, that's a nice opportunity. So the one thing I guess we always look at is first of all, the big picture. Okay, when is this happening? How often is it happening? And what kind of things can we think about around that session? So thinking about your pre-training or pre-race nutrition is really important. So we'll wanna see that that option isn't really high in fats or protein. 
because those things can sit in the gut for a really long time and cause it to um, cause symptoms to worsen. Uh, we want to make sure that it's your intake around your session isn't super high in fibre because, again, I will talk to you soon around this, uh, it can lead to those gut symptoms happening um, at a little bit higher risk. And we also want to look at things like caffeine. So I think most of us know this whole relationship between a coffee and then needing to go to the toilet. So for most people, this actually happened. Um, and so caffeine does have an impact on your gut motility. Uh, and so we want to make sure that that's not the contributing factor. So there are a few things to play with. Um, if you're unsure of what your pre-nutrition training should look like or you're not sure if what you're currently having is kind of ticking some of those high risk boxes then reach out and let me know and we can definitely chat through it um, and we can go through together what uh, maybe a few little switches could be um, or write it in the um or comment box hey vlad i am so sorry vlad i missed your zoom tonight because it was at crazy o'clock for me um but i hope it went well um also wanting to look at hydration so it sounds really counterintuitive but being dehydrated can actually cause water to be pulled into the gut um intestine uh, the gut um and that can cause that diarrhea as well so looking after hyd hydration around training and also racing is really important and also considering additional needs if it's a really hot race or hot training session also training the gut one of the biggest things that i see done wrongly and it's hard to watch because it's such an easy thing to fix in your training leading up to an event is training the gut so we can only absorb and utilize as much carbohydrate as we train our body to do so so say you've got a relatively low carbohydrate intake day to day and you haven't really trained on much nutrition but then for your race you're like right i know the best way to achieve my goals is that 60 to 90 grams per hour i'm going to do that for my endurance race and away we go i know exactly how many gels i need i know how much sports drink i need i'm going to do it so um what we're going to do here is give our bodies a lot of carbohydrate number one but also give it so much that it can't actually digest it in First of all, how intense your training and racing, um, but also number two, it doesn't have the transporters available to take that carbohydrate and put it into the bloodstream to be used. So training the gut to actually cope with how much you plan to race on is really important. It doesn't mean that we need to train high carbohydrate all year round, but it does mean in the lead up to your race um, training on adequate carbohydrate and building that up to train the gut to cope with it. So that, that's like a topic for a whole new live. I could easily talk for half an hour on that. Um, but yeah, that's just one thing that, to consider and kind of the things that we're considering when I'm talking to you about your symptoms and what you're currently eating. And I'm just kind of picking away different things when we're chatting. Um, acclimatization is another one. So making sure that if you're going to race in the heat, then you have trained in the heat and the humidity. Um, menstrual cycle, I mentioned earlier. So menstrual cycle has a lot of hormones going on with it and those hormones can impact our gut. Um, and I think a lot of people may actually have known that um, already, but it can increase the risk of our symptoms around our training sessions. So it's not for all women um, experiencing this, but there are some that are higher risk at certain points in their menstrual cycle. So if you start to kind of think about that, or if you're someone who tracks your menstrual cycle, then it can just be good just to note down when it happens. And if it happens in a pattern, then you can start to adjust your training and chat to your coach around um, some strategies around that and make sure that you're um, trying to time your menstrual cycle if possible um, 
away from the key race or whatever so you're at lower risk of symptoms so just a few things to consider there um also i don't think i can go through this without actually pulling up the possibility that it's not nutrition related there are a lot of things that aren't nutrition related that can cause this one of these which i often bring up particularly in menopausal women who have had kids is um, your pelvic floor and that doesn't need to be menopausal but it can be when those symptoms start to arise and absolutely chatting to a women's health physio around this so that urgency to poo can actually be due to a functional issue not necessarily a nutrition one so um, that's a really important thing too just to consider um, and yeah women's health physio is definitely a person to chat to if you are concerned in that way now, when all these things are said and done, I've kind of gone through each possibility and worked through everything. The number one thing I always want to do is make sure that there's not something more chronic or sinister going on. So making sure that you're, um, you don't have a chronic um, gut condition that we're missing um, and making sure that if we need it, we can get a referral to someone who is way more knowledgeable than me um, around this issue to just rule out any nasties or something more sinister happening. So they're all things that we look at first. And then we think about what strategies we can place. So we might be changing your pre-nutrition to something that's lower in fat, lower in protein. We might be stretching out the timing a little bit. We may play with caffeine um, and all these types of things can add up. And one really cool thing that um, anyone who attended the Compete Nutrition Conference last week would have seen is Dana's presentation on FODMAPs for gut intolerance. So um, she has done her PhD on this topic. So <laughs> feeling really silly right now as I talk about it but yeah I loved reading her studies I love working with athletes around this area and it was a really cool finding so a lot of athletes we found were doing like you know lowering their lactose intake um, lowering gluten and trying to find ways to reduce their symptoms hey everyone um and the thing that we found whoa my video um the thing that we found was it actually probably and when I say we don't be fooled. I did not research this, but I've read it and I love researchers for doing the work for me so I can translate it. Um, what was found by the amazing people that research um, was that the lower FODMAP opportunities, so um, is actually lowering gluten and lactose anyway, and it could actually be the FODMAPs that were causing the increase in risk rather than the gluten or the lactose that people previously thought. So a really cool thing that we often do as practitioners is listen to the athletes first because often the athletes know what the heck's going on before we do um, and so there's some really cool things that like in this instance um, we look at the same thing you might be interested happened with caffeine so there was this thing that was happening that athletes kept going to coke um, during races and we're like oh that's a silly idea this was not me I it was a long time ago um, <laughs> and that's a silly idea that's not evidence-based that you're better off having blah 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 but then um, they started researching it and going okay well all these athletes are swearing by coke at the back end of a race why is this something that is happening and why is it you know something they swear by there must be something to it uh, and that's when they started to research caffeine for performance and it all just um, uh, developed from there so yes Often you guys um, are in the know way before the researchers um, and it's a really cool thing to start to listen to you guys and I always listen with open ears for that very reason because you know your body best.
Now, so getting back to the FODMAPs, FODMAPs, if you've never heard of this, it is totally okay. I'm kind of using it as if it's just a word that everyone uses, but I need to remember that this is not a word that everyone uses. So FODMAPs is, stands for a group of types of carbohydrates that are really poorly digested by the gut. Uh, and because they're poorly digested by the gut, most of us um, won't have any symptoms, but others in the state of stress or anxiety, or if you've got IBS, will find um, that they do have symptoms when eating these foods. So FODMAP stands for, um, oh gosh, sorry, fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, um, and polyols. Yeah, I've got it all. And I've spelt FODMAPs right. Hallelujah. Gosh, put me under a camera and I just crumble under pressure. Seriously, guys. Um, so if they're present in times of high stress, even if you don't have IBS, is there an increased risk that they will cause gut upset? And what the studies have shown is that yes, possibly. So FODMAPs are, as I said, carbohydrates. And so some of them are actually really healthy foods that you'd be like, why is this a problem? Like, why do I need to reduce it? But because that when they're um, in the gut and they're broken down by bacteria, the byproduct of that breaking down is gas. And so in a normal day, we all bloat, we all fart, whatever, like that's just a human process and that's what's going on right there. But in times of stress, what we will find is that um, they cause more symptoms and more issues and that digestion or poorly digestion of um, these things will pull water into the gut and all of a sudden with that extra water in the um, gut, we've got higher risk of things like bloating, gas, diarrhea, urgency to poo, all these types of things. So there is the option there to think about FODMAPs after you've kind of thought about everything else and then thinking about how you would actually go lower FODMAP. And that's where a dietitian can be super handy. And I'm not just blowing my own horn here. It's just meaning that it's very individual and FODMAPs are really important in our daily intake. Like when you look at the list of FODMAP foods, they're really healthy foods that are very important for our gut microbiome and diversity. So it's not something you want to just eliminate. If you're going to try this out and see um, what, if it does heal your symptoms, you either do it acutely, so one to three days out of a key race or key training session where there's going to be high intensity and you know you're at high risk, you can do that, or you do it chronically. However, if you want to eliminate FODMAPs, you've got to add them back in. So this is not a long-term plan, and I think that's where everyone gets confused with FODMAPs is they type in IBS and they go, oh, FODMAPs, excellent. I just need to remove them and my IBS goes, happy days. But the problem is we need to add them back in. And how we do that is challenge with different groups. So we'll challenge with fructans, see if they're a problem. Um, and then we just keep going group by group until we know which one causes an issue. And what we want to do is aim for um, basically that adaptation where we've added them back in and we know your tolerance and we know how we can um, manage your symptoms. So there's a lot to it. Um, and that's why we ask a lot of questions as dietitians and we do a lot of hunting and um, gathering of information and we might irritate you at times. But the reason is, is that we're kind of trying crossing off every issue that it could be and working through a solution. Now, the good thing is, is that a lot of people find success with that FODMAP strategy. It's been a really cool tool in the toolbox, if you like, that we can use along with really good race day strategies like the timing, uh, the pre-event um, meal, the pre-training meal, uh, making sure that we're utilising caffeine properly uh, and all these types of things. So um, I hope that helps, guys. I 
have just talked for half an hour. I, I look, I look shocked, but I'm really not. That's just me and how I roll. So I'll open up to questions. Um, but I hope that's really helped just to try and, I guess, help you feel like it's, um, there's a resolution here and don't settle for it just being a thing because there's lots of very easy strategies to actually implement that will make a massive difference hopefully um, where you don't have to like strategize and see um, where your nearest portal is or worry about having to stop somewhere really awkward to um, do a poo or all these types of things that can be really anxiety producing and um, can really impact um, how confident you are going into a session and it really you know it's not something you want to bring up with coaching. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm just getting notes thrown through the door here. Um, so what I'm going to do, because, hey, who needs sleep? I'm going to um, jump off after this and write up some sh the show notes. So I'm just going to write up um, all the things I've talked about tonight. So it's all in just an easy download for you. Um, so you can kind of tick off these things that I've talked about, think about them in your own time um, and just have that basically to come back to um, and of course, we've. It'd be amiss to um, not mention that if you are someone who's going, oh, that's me, and I'm not really sure where to from here. Um, we do have a free assessment on our website, so um, I will add the show notes to the comment section of the Facebook live. Should it should finish that sentence, and I'll also put it on my stories on Insta so that you can find it. It'll just blog um, but also the Compete Nutrition um, homepage will have the assessment. So if you're wondering what this means for you, fill in an assessment because we get back to you in person. We don't just do this automatic PDF thing. We actually get back to you in person to go through the next steps and give you a few tips. Even if you don't sign up with us, there's no pressure. It's like just this is how I would start if I were you and then you can go from there. So um, hopefully that helps guys. Best of luck with all your training. It's really nice to see some races starting to be announced and locked in um, I'm so excited for everyone I think it'll be such a nice time when it all comes back um, but yeah one actually do you know what one thing I didn't mention is this is like really around um, the intensity of the session a lot of the time so it's not just running it running is higher risk but it can happen with other events so even cycling if you're going really hard efforts really high threshold sessions and asking a lot of your body it can happen there as well so it doesn't have to be that um you know like the um physical movement of bouncing up and down it can be the intensity of that session and the length of that session so um definitely considering that as well whether you're a triathlete cyclist runner um mostly endurance sports but any high intensity you can um, experience this. So team sports, I've definitely experienced it, chatted to lots of athletes around this um, because they're going for a long, quite a long period of time and there's also high intensity efforts involved in both their training and their um, events. So yeah, all things you want to think about for sure. So I hope this helps guys. Thanks for joining me to chat poo. Wow, what a pleasure. I hope I've made your Thursday night or whatever time it is in your time zone. Uh, and yeah, we'll chat very soon and I'll pop up the um, link for the show notes you know, hopefully soon. Hopefully I get them done really quickly. So thanks everyone. Have a great night and we'll chat soon. Cheers. Bye.